0: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Happy to have you with us on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Very delighted to have as my guest in studio today, the pastor of Heavenly Host Lutheran Lutheran Church in Cookville, Andrew Smith. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Dwight. Good to be with you. It is good to have you here. I've looked forward to this since we've had this conversation about a month ago about the possibility of your being on this show, getting to know you, getting to know a little about your background and your uh, service. And uh, thank you so much. Well, I look forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, me too. So much ground to cover, so much I want to talk about. Of course, I want to talk about your church. I want to talk about the school. I want to talk about your your uh, your service, at military service, as far as being a chaplain is concerned. Man, you have done a lot in your life, and you're still, uh, you're still a relatively young man. Too. I have, yeah,
1: <laughs> and and relatively still young. I just turned <laughs> turned fifty one this year.
0: Yeah, but, well, uh, yeah, I've got I think I've got ties to fifty one. <laughs> but thank you so much. But but where I want to start, Andrew, is I want to, I want I want our audience to uh, and some of them obviously listen, know you, and know the church, and know the good work that the uh, Heavenly Host has done in their community for years and years. But, but you as a person, did you grow up in an environment where there was um, a, an emphasis on the spiritual, an emphasis on Christianity? How, how did all that happen? Sure. I, I grew up in
1: a Christian home. Uh, we were living in central Kentucky for about four years. My dad grew up in Taylor County, Kentucky, uh, and we moved to Green County, Kentucky, which is neighbors, uh, and he was uh, in a house building business. He had started his own business and we lived there for four years while he was trying to do that. Of course, that was the late 70s. It was very difficult economically in the country, Wow! and um, he was still moderately successful, but about two years into that, he went back on the road as a traveling carpenter. A lot of people don't realize there are a lot of folks that travel all around the country building malls and stores and all those kinds of things, and that's how they make their living. Well, my dad was one of those folks, and then uh, about Uh, 1981 or so, he got a different kind of job offer, and we moved to the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia. And we were able to sell the house in in Kentucky and move to Georgia. And it was at that point that we started going to church actively. I was 11 years old. I was in sixth grade. I started with a confirmation class curriculum that took three years in our Lutheran church there. Uh, It was a church that my uh, church body that my mom had grown up in. My dad had uh, come to join, and uh, we had um, we just built a family in this church, and it was very formative for me. I had two younger brothers that went to the church school, uh, and it's just something that really shaped me and how I sort of see the world and how I see
0: family and how I see my church family. Well, talk about, I want, I want to learn more about, you said you had a three-year confirmation class. Sure. Talk about that class and the purpose of it, what you took away from it, what it means in, in your church uh, denomination as a whole. Well, see, when I
1: was growing up, I heard stories of my mom going to confirmation class when she was uh, probably in middle school age, sixth, seventh, eighth grade or so. And she would go on Saturday mornings and sit with the pastor for two hours. You know, of course, this was back in the 50s. So my mom was in a very large group of people. Uh, and uh, I'm sure they acted up like kids do today. But she said, you know, everybody was just held in rapt attention by the pastor and being, uh, being taught there. But really, it's a time to do two things. It's a time to uh, introduce young people to the faith, to the concepts of the faith, to the key doctrines of the faith. Uh, and it's a time for spiritual formation. Uh, to teach young people how to pray, what to expect in a life with God, uh, where to find God speaking to us. Uh, and I think that that's really the purpose of what uh, confirmation class, uh, there's another word that Lutherans use, we call it catechesis, the Greek word that means learning how to echo the faith. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, that word echo is in that word catechesis. And uh, that's the idea that as Saint Paul and the apostles passed on to us what the Lord taught, we're learning to echo what Saint Paul and the apostles taught, what the what Jesus taught, and uh, that's really the purpose of confirmation instruction in the Lutheran tradition. Uh, Catholics, I think, do something very, very similar, uh, and uh, I know other other traditions do it very similarly. Um, some other people focus more on Sunday school. Now, our emphasis is in that very key. Um, we have Sunday school, of course, for our young people, sure. uh, all the way all the way down. But we our emphasis is on, especially when kids enter that stage developmentally, when they're starting to ask questions and really examine. That's when we step in with some content, some instruction, some ability to sort of let them ask those questions and wrestle, begin to wrestle with big questions in life, and say, "This is what the church teaches." And it's really really exciting to see sort of light bulbs go on. In young people's minds I would love to tell you that it happens with every young person (laughs) it doesn't quite but but it is fun to watch it happen in in the lives of
0: of some young people and you started this class when you're how old now I, I was 11 years old when I And started. that is, is that generally about the age? That's that, generally know, about the age. Sometimes we start a little,
1: every, every child has to be ready for it. You right. Know, you've got to be sort of developmentally ready to begin So to there's no, you know, 11 to 14, it's it just, it's depending on the child. Well, you know, in the Jewish tradition, they have a bar mitzvah at 13, yes. right? I mean, right. that's when the, 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 the boys become men and those kinds of things. So it's. You know for 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 millennia, we've known that this is a critical time in, yes. in development, yes. you know human development and, and certainly in faith development. And by the time you're about thirteen, 14 years old, you're ready to start making some choices for yourselves, uh, for yourself, and, and really to make to make that confession of faith. Now see, the Lutheran Church, we are a church that baptizes infants. We baptize because we believe that Jesus commanded us to baptize all nations, and including in that is, is certainly children. But, but the second part of Jesus' command there in Matthew 28, right, is to baptize and teach. So we really heavily emphasize the teaching so that children can grow up in the gift that they've been given at baptism and understand it, receive the benefits of it, and, uh, and
0: grow into it. And so you said that, that is that a three-year program for all the children? I mean, that, who who enter into it? Uh, it's it, it, right now
1: we're doing more of a two year program okay. at, at my church, right? Okay. Uh, and it's it's mostly sixth and seventh graders. Sometimes it's a fifth and a sixth grader, uh, depending on sort of where that where that child is and how they're able to work.
0: You know, that, uh, two, three years, whatever it is, that is a, uh, that's a, is that a weekly? You get, it's get, a weekly, weekly. And so weekly for two thing. or three years or whatever length is, yeah. they're there, they're, yeah. and they're at a formative stage in yeah. life, they're asking questions. So what a great, what a great time to they're get themselves established uh, in, 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 in their faith. Yeah, it really is. It can yeah. be
1: a wonderful time for a young person.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure, like you say, maybe it doesn't have the same effect on all of them, does it, it but, doesn't. but it, but it, but it, it does work. Yeah, it does. And yeah. I, I'll tell you that there
1: are grown-ups today, in, in, not just in our church, but grown-ups today that came through a catechetical process, a confirmation class process uh, like we have, who still look back on that time rather fondly and said, I began to understand yeah. some fundamental aspects of the faith during that time.
0: Wow. That's that's great. Yeah. Well, I, well I, uh, We are visiting today with Andrew Smith. He's pastor at Heavenly Host. Lutheran Church uh, here in Cookville, Tennessee. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Welcome back to The Chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. Happy to have in studio with me today, uh, Andrew Smith, pastor, heavenly host, Lutheran Church in Cookville. Uh, And and Andrew, you you mentioned, uh, we talked about your history and how you uh, uh, talk about when you came to a point in your life where... um, where you sensed this calling? I mean, your decision to enter ministry. I mean, obviously, not a small, not a small decision. Walk, walk, walk us through that process, would you, uh,
1: Dwight? I would love to tell you and all all the listeners that uh, it was written in fire across the heavens. <laughs> you didn't uh, see a burning bush. I did not. <laughs> uh, it was it was a much more mundane, uh, really type of experience. I had grown up in this church now for probably. Um, uh, three, four, five years, give or take. The one in the Atlanta area. The one in the, in the yeah, in the suburbs of Atlanta, Marietta, Georgia. Faith Lutheran Church in yeah. Marietta, Georgia, on Lower Roswell Road is where I I grew up and 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 came to understand the faith much much better. And um, there was a a lady in uh, she was the organist at our church, and I guess my folks were at a choir party where the organist was there, and somehow or another the conversation turned to. Um, who in our church might be a future pastor? And somebody else said to my parents, well, Andy Smith, you know, might be a good candidate to think about being a pastor. And how old were you at the time? I was probably 14 or 15 now, years were old. Were you there for that conversation? I was not. No, not I was there, at okay. home. I was yeah. I, probably watching television. <laughs>
0: um and it was the last thing you were thinking about oh yeah i mean really yeah. and
1: my folks came home and they said i we you know we had an interesting conversation we had fun at the choir party but you know von de normberg the organist said something kind of interesting what do you think and i was like i don't know that's really
0: strange you know but that was the first time the thought had entered your mind based on what the organist had said that's right that's fascinating yeah and Go so ahead, she, but
1: but that ended up becoming a seed Uh, By the time I had finished high school, I had two years of Latin under my belt already, um, and I was ready to go away and and begin studying full-time. So I went away to undergraduate uh, studies at Concordia, well then, Concordia Lutheran College, Austin, Texas. It's now Concordia University, Texas, but uh, went away to study there, and I had already had uh, two years of high school Latin, so I started with a year of college Latin, and then I did three years of Greek, and then squeezed in a year of Hebrew even before I went away to seminary. Wow. And um, that prepared me well uh, to go on to seminary at St. Louis, Missouri, at the Concordia Seminary there, and uh, where to graduate still to this day, uh, candidates have to have both Greek, have to have a proficiency in both Greek and, and Latin, excuse me, Greek and Hebrew yeah. uh, to graduate.
0: Now, so you knew uh, when you started undergraduate school, or at least you felt like and believed that this was going to be your path in life.
1: Yeah, I I, I thought that you know, and I thought that if anything was going to um, disrupt that path, it would make itself fairly clear. Okay, and it, and, and nothing nothing interrupted it. I mean, I. I actually passed Hebrew, which is kind of a minor miracle, to be honest. <laughs> uh, Greek wasn't so so difficult, but a- after the Latin that I had had, but, but I actually passed Hebrew, and that, that was the stumbling block, yeah um, so, uh, but I passed, and I was able to to go on to seminary and
0: actually I made fairly decent grades
1: at seminary, which is
0: kind of amazing.
1: I mean, it was really difficult.:
0: uh, so and now, now pick your life up uh, so it, it's amazing to me. That the perception or thought of this lady, what was her name? The organist? Bonda Nornberg. I still remember. Who, who said that to yeah. your parents? You're right. Your parents come home from this choir party and they say that to you. This thought gets in your mind. And, and I can't, and this is the path that your life yeah. has gone since that time. Right. That, that's just, uh, it's incredible. Well, I mean, I never had any
1: inclination to be a, an electrician or, yeah. uh, you know, a salesman or anything along those lines. I, it just seemed to me that this was, um, I mean, I, I held my pastor in very, you know, sure. high regard. Uh, and of course he, you know, he said, yeah, I mean, I think this would be a good thing for you to consider studying and, you know, the, like I said, there was no, there was no prophetic call in, yeah. like it is in the Bible or anything like that. But it was a call that was sort of quietly confirmed every step of the way. And then uh, Lutherans have a tradition that, you know, when you're finished with your studies, you actually get what we consider a divine call. It's not a piece of paper. There's a congregation that says, we've prayed about this, and we've called you to be our pastor. Okay. Uh, and um, it, it's not a hire and fire process like there are in a lot of churches. Uh, it's meant to be a, a more divine process, uh, by which a candidate comes to a church and becomes, uh, the pastor there. And, um, and, and it's almost, uh, it's almost like a tenure type sort of situation, but it's meant to have a lot more of a religious sheen, sure. uh, to it. Um, and of course, uh, the pastor has to hold that in high regard that he doesn't abuse that call, Sure. uh, You know, you don't want to be like the Gentiles and lord it over people, like Jesus said, right? Uh, But also the congregation has to hold that. And, you know, my my first congregation in Memphis— Michigan was very kind to a very young pastor who was uh, who thought that people wanted to know everything that he had learned at seminary, and uh, but uh, so you but, gave yeah,
0: him a free He Hebrew, Hebrew lessons. I, in I did not and...
1: give Hebrew lessons. <laughs> I, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I will still t- to this day throw in an occasional Greek word when I think it helps. When I think when I think it helps explain more depth of meaning. Yeah. Um, not just to show that I'm smart. I, I'm not smart. I read books and I listen to good teachers. Uh, I, I just feel like I've been really blessed with that.
0: Well, they, uh, well now, so so let's talk a little bit about uh, Memphis, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so that that happened after right after seminary.
1: It did. It did immediately after seminary. In fact, the seminary uh, seminary has a, a service at which all the calls for the, all the candidates are announced, and we're all there. You're all in line, and. Um, There are a number of Lutheran churches and a number of Lutherans in Michigan. It's a very heavily settled Lutheran area. And I went up to some of the folks who are from Michigan, Michiganders, and I said, hey, do you guys know where Memphis, Michigan is? And I knew I was in for something of an adventure when they said, no, we've never heard of it. (laughs) And um, it was about an hour north of Detroit. Uh, Great people up there. And um, it was actually a mission congregation that was getting started from a mission plant in Richmond, Michigan. Uh, Richmond, they had heard of, so um, it was just a it was a great opportunity to begin to learn how to be a pastor.
0: Yeah, and that was a, a, a so so it was a plan So it was a fairly young church. It was a fairly young you church. were first time pastor. I was the first time right out of seminary. That's right, right out of sem- so in your twenties. Yeah, I was twenty seven. Yeah, and uh, and it, it it's great that you ran the. You mentioned very very kind because I remember you know when we we're, we're, we really want to share everything we learned and uh, we maybe haven't learned as much as we thought we had, but that was, but it, but but it got you started in in ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you've been going since. Well, when we come back. I want to talk about uh, how you came to Cookville and sure. Heavenly Host. And I want to talk uh, about the wonderful school you have at Heavenly Host over there, about your time serving in the military as a chaplain. Uh, a lot of ground to cover with my guest today on the chat, Andrew Smith. He is the pastor at Heavenly Host Lutheran Church. And we'll be back with more in just a moment. We're back on the chat. I'm your host, Dwight Henry. My guest today, Andrew Smith, pastor Heavenly Host Lutheran Church here in Cookville, Tennessee. We just talked a little bit about your first pastorate in Memphis, Michigan. You know, I didn't know there was a Memphis, Michigan. I, you know, you think of Memphis, obviously, you think of Tennessee. You think of the big Memphis. <laughs> That's right, big right. Memphis. Yeah. How long were you in Memphis, Michigan as I was pastor? in Memphis for just right at three years. Three years, yeah. yeah. Was there another stop along the way before you came to Cookville? Uh, there uh, was. And, I was uh, for eight years in the
1: Navy as a Navy chaplain. So okay. I got called by our, our, our Lutheran church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. We have a board for missions. And within our board for missions, we have a ministry to the armed forces. Uh, So those folks issue calls to Lutheran pastors, uh, to uh, men who are young enough and uh, men who are fit enough to go serve in our nation's armed forces. And uh, I was already a pastor, had been a pastor for three years, and that's about the time frame uh, to to know that you're going to do okay as a pastor. Uh, And they issued me a call. Uh, to go serve as a Navy chaplain, so I went through kind of a dual accreditation process, where the church body approved me to serve on their behalf, and then the Navy itself approved me to serve and serve as a, an officer as a as a chaplain in the
0: Navy. Wow! Now I want let's just since we since that's come up before you before you came to Cooville, let's just park it there for a little bit. Sure. I remember we had this great conversation at your church. Uh, I was there actually for a funeral several weeks ago, and we talked. Uh, chaplain and, and of course, I serve as a hospice chaplain uh, a chaplain in the navy i mean that, and, and you shared some stories with me I thought fascinating Give me a, a, an overview of that experience and how that uh, how that changed your life and 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 the service that you provided there Well, I went into the chaplaincy
1: at at the end of nineteen ninety nine that's when I received my commission as a lieutenant junior grade uh, chaplain um, and uh, of course, the world was very different in 1999, as we all know uh We, um, I, I, it was a peacetime military. Uh, I figured that I would uh, go into the Navy. I would maybe make a career of it, uh, make a, you know, life for that. I had had some experience with junior ROTC, Navy junior ROTC in high school. My brother had gone into the Navy a year before as an intelligence officer. Uh, So we had something of a small family tradition already with the Navy. And uh, I just, I thought it would be a great way to serve my country uh, and represent, you know, my church and and my Lord as I took care of people. And chaplaincy is a really interesting opportunity for ministry because you're not limited to just serving, you know, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod people. Yeah. You're you're in a position where you can help all kinds of people, even unbelievers, uh, and you, you're not there to necessarily. Convert everybody you meet. You're there to to help them, and it's really a ministry of mercy in in that sense. When you're talking about those kinds of folks, uh, so I serve people who are outside my faith tradition. Obviously, I serve people who are outside any faith tradition. Sure. Um, I I was serving at a time where we were just beginning to watch the rise of the spiritual but not religious, because. Every year we would do a survey, our our command, our, the, the Navy chaplaincy would do a survey with uh, new recruits at Recruit Depot um, uh, Great Lakes, and we would ask them, what are your religious preferences? And we've watched this, you know, this nun category, this, this spiritual, not religious category grow year after year after year. We were really on the front lines of this before Gallup started doing their polls sure. or Barna. And uh, so... I had a kind of a front row seat to what was already happening in the country with, with millennials, with young people. And um, it was just an r- interesting opportunity to sort of meet people where they really had needs. I, was, uh, I served on the ship. I was uh, something of a morale officer in some ways. I ran the library uh, on our ship. We were a small deck. Um, well, we were a, a small aircraft carrier. So we were a large deck amphibious assault ship. The back of our ship had doors on it They would open up and sink down into the water. Uh, we had landing craft that could go in and out of there, but we also had a big flight deck, like a World War II-style
0: aircraft straight deck. So a good bit of those eight years you spent on the ship? No,
1: I spent uh, two years on that ship. Okay. Uh, rotated to a new assignment, three years, two and a half years, I think, uh, at the Marine Corps Air Wing at Cherry Point, North Carolina, and served with uh, Marines there. Uh, and then my last job was three years at the um, Naval hospital in bethesda
0: oh in bethesda maryland well all those are different kinds of experiences all of those were
1: very different kinds of experiences and i had a real opportunity to learn hospital chaplaincy uh firsthand
0: let me back up and 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 explore something you just said that that has continued to develop in in our culture and in our country spiritual but not religious Mm, yeah what what does that look like what does that define that broaden that a little bit if you would when somebody says, I'm spiritual but not religious, what are they saying? What are their core values? What I, I, I think
1: their core values are they still believe in some sort of divine. I don't think that they necessarily make that a person. They've rejected some notion of you know, a guy in the sky with a beard and sitting on a throne or something like that. I think that that's pretty clear. When I listen to those folks talk about what it is they believe, I think that they're trying to get to some aspect of the transcendent or the numinous, but without what they consider to be the baggage of religion or the obligation.
0: Oh, there you
1: go. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, they want they, they believe that there may be a God or, you know, some character like that, but they don't necessarily think that all those rules apply. Those rules like the Ten Commandments, let's just say. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. And, and do you see that? Uh, do, you, do you run into that in your role as pastor here? Is that still? Um, uh, because you were serving, as you said, not only folk, not just Lutheran folks or even Christian folks in the Navy, but uh, non-believers. I remember a distinct
1: conversation I had in the officer's lounge with a young female naval officer. She was outstanding. She was a Naval Academy graduate. Um, she was really smart. I mean, you you have to be intelligent to get into our service academies. Um, you have to be even smarter to get in the Naval Academy. Go Navy. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, got to represent. That's all right. Um, but I remember having a distinct conversation with her, uh, and she was sort of riffing off the idea of God as Lord, and it was it was a stumbling block for her. She says, "I can imagine God as God, but I can't imagine God as Lord. That seems oppressive in some way shape or form and I, that is that I mean this is now 20 years later uh, I had that conversation with her and you know it's 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 an idea that's stuck in my head.
0: I see and that kind of maybe a, a lot of folks felt that way. I, I uh, Boy so. there's a, I, I, we uh we're going to continue this conversation. Sure. You're going to be with us next week. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited. excited. I want to learn more about your your experience at Bethesda, uh, how you got to Cookville, the school, all of that. And thank you, uh, Andrew, for setting aside time. I know you your schedule is slammed in your, in your pack, but I sure am enjoying this chance to get to visit with you. It's been a lot of fun already. Uh, Join us next week. We'll be once again visiting with the pastor of Heavenly Host Lutheran Church here in Cookville, Tennessee, Andrew Smith. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us on the chat. We'll be with you same time next week.